right. Good morning. How's everybody doing? Uh, it sounds like y'all ate a little bit of turkey. Uh, I'm going to sit down. I told y'all last week I was standing up because I was prepping for three Thanksgivings. Well, I'm two in right now, and I'm a little wore out. So uh, I'm going to sit down so I can conserve my energy for this afternoon for Thanksgiving number three. How many of y'all have more than one Thanksgiving? Anybody like our family? You just have to do it a bunch of times to get everybody in? Yeah, I think that's awesome. I think there's nothing wrong with that whatsoever. And uh, so anyway, I'm really glad that you're here today. We're starting our new series of messages uh, focusing on uh, the birth of Jesus. And and we're going to talk about Messiah in just a minute, what we just sang about. And we're going to talk all about that. And and so uh, we're going to jump into that in just a minute. Um, A long time ago, and back when I was in high school, I heard this evangelist speak. And and, uh, he said... And I'm not exactly sure why he said it, but I always remembered it, and I thought about it when we were preparing this series of messages. He said that the three most famous names or most well-known names on the face of the earth are Elvis Presley, Coca-Cola, and Jesus Christ. Now, I don't know if that's still true today. Maybe instead of Elvis Presley, it might be like Justin Bieber or somebody, you know, I don't know who it would be. But, uh, but, it, but the, it, either, either way, he was saying that you can go to all different parts of the world and people know what Coca-Cola is and people in lots of different places of the world have heard who Jesus Christ is, which is true. Now, there are still places on the face of the earth where people have never heard of Jesus. And that's one of the reasons why when you just gave your money a little while ago, I hope you gave some money, when you participated by dropping something in the offering bucket or if you gave online earlier this week or, or if you're going to give online this afternoon because I'm reminding you about it now and now you're feeling guilty or whatever and that's fine. Whatever you're going to do, when you give your money, part of that money we give to something called the cooperative program and that money goes to places on the face of the earth that most of you and me will never go to to tell people about Jesus who've never heard of Jesus. But now where we live... In in Greenville County or Spartanburg County, South Carolina, we don't have that problem. In fact, where you live, you would be hard-pressed to find someone who's never heard of Jesus. If you go to Walmart this afternoon and you just were to randomly ask people or go to downtown Greenville and just start to randomly ask people, have you heard of Jesus Christ? Almost everyone you meet in the area we live in is going to say, yes, yeah, I've heard of Jesus and, and in fact, maybe you're here today and you've heard of Jesus and, and you might even know, uh, you know, some facts about Jesus and you might know some stories about Jesus and, and you might have even read part of, of the Bible which talks about Jesus. Well, I was thinking about this when I was thinking about the, the, uh, the series we're doing is that when I was probably in the sixth grade, I think, I got for Christmas, I got my first stereo. Now, before that, I'd had some tape recorders. But then I, I got my first stereo. It was big time. It was Magnavox. It had a big plastic hood that you lifted up to put records on. We, we still listened to records back then, and it was the good old days. And, uh, and, and, and so what I did is I just had a few records, and so what I started doing is I went and digging through my parents' uh, albums that they had, and, and I discovered when I was probably about 11 years old, I discovered the Beatles because my mom had an old Beatles album. And I started listening to that, and I loved it, and I thought it was awesome. And, and so then from that point on till today, I started listening to pretty much everything by the Beatles. And then as I got older, I really liked them, and I would read biographies of them and that kind of stuff. And, and uh, Paul McCartney is one that I, I, can, I knew a lot about, and I could, tell you, I could tell you his life story. I can tell you all kind of stuff about him. I know a lot of facts. I've listened to a lot of music. I've read a lot of stuff about Paul McCartney. But here's the deal. I don't know Paul McCartney. 
If I, if I tried today to call him and somehow I got his phone number and like you were here today and you're like, hey, Cliff, I know Paul, I can hook you up. Here's his number or whatever. And you gave it to me. And I called him this afternoon and they said, who's calling? Well, I'm Cliff Marshall. I'm a pastor from South Carolina. He's not going to take the call because he doesn't know me. I don't have a relationship with Paul McCartney. Well, I want you to know that there are thousands of people outside of these walls, and maybe there are some of you here today that you might know the name of Jesus. You might know facts about Jesus. You might have read stories about Jesus, but maybe you don't know Jesus personally. Maybe you don't have a personal relationship with him. And I know that there are thousands of people outside of these walls, literally thousands. We know that three out of every four people in the upstate of South Carolina do not have a relationship with Jesus. So when you go to work tomorrow, if you have a relationship with Jesus, that means 75% of the people that you work with do not. And so tomorrow when you go there, you're going to be surrounded by people that have heard the name, but they don't know him personally. And that's what we're talking about this month, because Jesus wants you to know him. He wants to have a personal relationship with you. In fact, if you look at, at John 15, 5, it'll be up here on the screen. It says this, Jesus said, I'm the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. Jesus said that we are supposed to have such a close relationship with him that we actually abide in him, that we live our lives the way he wants us to live our lives, that he lives in us, he breathes, that, that every ounce of who we are is made up of who he wants us to be, and we can know him personally. And that's what I want you to know this month, because this is the time of year where you're going to see a lot of stuff about Jesus. Even though nowadays, you know, you go to places and they have holiday sales instead of Christmas sales, and I don't get real bent out of shape out of that, um, sometimes it bothers me, but, but the deal is most people still talk about this being the Christmas season. And you will ride around and you will see nativity scenes and, and you, will, you will see angels and you will hear songs even on secular radio stations this time of year that talk about <clears throat> coming to see Jesus at the manger. I was listening to 98.9 on Friday because it was the day after Christmas, so then you can start listening to Christmas music. You're not supposed to listen to it before then, and if you did, you were wrong. And so I started on the day after Thanksgiving listening to Christmas music, and I turned on 98.9, and there it is, a secular radio station playing O Come All Ye Faithful, talking about coming to see Jesus. And so this time of year, your mind is going to be turned towards that, and the minds of your friends is going to be turned towards that. And I want you to know that it's more than just about thinking about it this time of year. And it's more than just knowing that Jesus was born, but it's about knowing him personally, having a relationship with him, and growing in that relationship. And so that's the first thing I want to ask you today, that it, do you have that relationship? And if you don't, we're going to give you an opportunity at the end of this service where you can give your life to Jesus. But I want you to ask yourself that question. Now, if you've got a Bible here today, I want you to go ahead and, and open it or turn it on if it's in your phone to Isaiah 53. Now, I'm not going to get there till the very end of the message, so don't think that I forgot what I told you to go to, okay? We're going to get to it, but I just want you to go ahead and turn to Isaiah 53, and we're going to look at a lot of other scripture before Isaiah 53, but I want you to go ahead and have that open <clears throat> and, to, and to be ready. Now, if, if you were to ask uh, most people, and I know I wouldn't be able to sit down long today because I'm excited, but 
If you were to ask most people, what is the beginning of the Christmas story? And if and most of you, if someone said, what's the beginning of the Christmas story? What's the beginning of the story of Jesus? Most people would say that it began in Bethlehem, that it began with the stable and the star and the, the shepherds and, and uh, the manger and, and all that kind of good stuff. And, and that's true. That's, that's where we talk about the beginning of Jesus. And that's where we celebrate this time of year. But, but I want you to know that the beginning story of Jesus, you have to go further back. It's kind of like when I was a kid, the Star Wars movies came out and, and I was like eight years old when the first one came out and we thought they were awesome and they were awesome and I had the action figures and all that stuff and lived my life, you know, dreaming of being a Jedi Knight one day and that kind of stuff. And then when I became an adult, all of a sudden we found out, hey, guess what? There was a larger story that was behind that and they made three new movies and they put those out and we were all excited until we saw Jar Jar Banks. and we were kind of a little bit disappointed, but still it was exciting that there was this back story that, that preceded the story we had known. Well, today we're going to go to the backstory. We're going to go to the prequel. What was the prequel of Jesus? Well, the prequel of Jesus, what came before Jesus, which, which was setting the stage for Jesus arriving, were these guys in the Old Testament that we call the prophets, that you might have heard of the prophets. So if you look back in the, you're, you're in Isaiah right now, he was one of them. And so if you look in the Old Testament and you just flip through your Bible, you'll see names like Isaiah and Habakkuk and Obadiah and, and all these names, many of them kind of strange sounding to us, Malachi. And, and they, these guys were prophets. And now what prophets were is they, they lived at a time where, where they were the spokesmen for God. So, and, and, and most of what they talked about was not making predictions about the future. They did that, and we're going to talk about that in just a minute. But most of what the prophets did is, is they did what I'm trying to do today and, and what Drew Hines is doing today at Washington Baptist Church and Scott McAllister is doing today over at Springwell and, and people are doing all over this county today is they would stand up and they would say, here's what we need to know about God. Here's what I want you to know. As followers of God, this is what you need to know. And they would open up the scrolls, which is today what we have as the scripture, and they would read it and they would interpret it and they would talk about who God is. They would talk about how we should live in response to God. Now, one of the things, though, that prophets would do from time to time, and you see it in the Old Testament, is they would begin to make predictions. And they would predict that, that one day there was somebody who was going to be coming that was going to be greater than all of they were. It was going to be the, he was going to be not a prophet. He was going to be greater than a prophet. And they would talk about this, and, and the person that they would talk about who was coming, they called the Messiah. Now, they never used the name Jesus Christ, but they talked about that one day there was a coming Messiah. And, and this, this was an idea that, that continued to be passed down through hundreds of years. There's a Messiah coming. And Messiah means, literally it means, anointed one. And so they believed that there was one who was, who was coming. He had been anointed by God, appointed. All right, God said, you are going to go, and you are going to, to go down there, and, and you are going to set people free. And so they were so excited. One day the Messiah is coming, and the Messiah is going to set us free. And so they began to look forward to that. And they made specific, these, these Old Testament prophets, guys like Micah and Isaiah and, and other guys, they made very specific predictions. They didn't just say, hey, one day a Messiah is going to show up. They started to talk very specifically about here's where he's going to be. Here's some things that are going to happen. Here's some things that he's going to do. For instance, if you, if you look in Psalm 89, 3 and 4, look up here on the screen. In, the Psalm, in Psalm 89, it says this, you have said, 
I have made a covenant with my chosen one. I have sworn to David, my servant. I will establish your offspring forever and build your throne for all generations. So here God is saying through, through the person who wrote this psalm, he's saying, listen, the Messiah is coming and he's, when he shows up, you're going to know who he is because he is going to be a direct relative of King David. He's going to be a direct descendant. He'll be able to trace it back and say, King David was my great, 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 you know, however many greats granddad, that's who he was. And so when Jesus showed up, if you look in Luke chapter 2, verse 4, there in Luke chapter 2, 4, it says that Joseph got called to go to, to Bethlehem, the city of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. So Joseph, who was Jesus' dad, was part of the line of David. So here's the first thing that you see where there was a, a direct prediction Jesus is coming, the Messiah is coming, and when Jesus showed up, he began to fulfill those things that had been predicted. Here's another one in, in Micah 5 2. It says this But you, O Bethlehem, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days. Now, most of you know where was Jesus born? He was born in Bethlehem. This is Micah who predicted this hundreds of years before. He said the Messiah is coming, and when he comes, he's going to come out of Bethlehem, come out of this tiny little podunk backwater town that nothing exciting has ever happened in, but that's where the Messiah is going to come from. And then if you look at Isaiah 7:14, it says this, <clears throat> Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a son. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. And then in Luke one thirty four, when the angel shows up to Mary and tells her, you're going to have a baby, what does Mary ask the angel? She said, how can this be? Because I am a virgin. And then the angel says, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And then that's how this is going to happen. And so Jesus came and he was born of a virgin, just like was predicted, just like Isaiah predicted hundreds of years before Jesus showed up. And then there's not there's a whole lot more than that. Those are just three that I chose to show you. There are predictions in the Old Testament that the prophets made where it said that, G, that the Messiah would come and he would heal blind people. And we know that when Jesus was here, he healed blind people. There are predictions that were made in the Old Testament, <coughs> excuse me, where it said that that when the Messiah came, that there would be a time where he would be riding on a donkey when he came into town. And we know that the week before Jesus was crucified, he came into town riding on a donkey and everybody was celebrating and being excited about that. And so hundreds of years before Jesus showed up, hundreds of years before Bethlehem, before the shepherds, before the star, before all that good stuff we talk about, there were people that were saying, keep your eyes open. There's a Messiah coming. And let me tell you what he's going to be like and let me tell you where he's going to come from and these are the things that you need to look for so there were these guys that were jewish scholars they were kind of they were church guys they were staff members and pastors that's that's who they were they were guys like me and these guys had dedicated their lives to studying about the messiah they 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 knew the scripture they had memorized the scrolls you can open up parts of the Old Testament and we read it and we think, man, this is so long and it's so, some of it seems so boring and it's so tedious to read. These guys didn't just read that, they memorized it. They could walk up to you and they could quote whole books of Scripture. They spent their time writing it down. They spent their time discussing what it was going to be like when the Messiah showed up. And so, so they had, and, and here's the thing, they had all the information we have. The verse that I read you from Micah, they had that back then. 
The verses that I read you from Isaiah about a virgin, they had that back then. The psalm that I read you, Psalm 89, they had that back then. They had all the information. They knew that a Messiah was coming. So when Jesus showed up, what do you think these guys did? You would think that when Jesus showed up and when he he started to teach and when they found out that he was really born in Bethlehem and when he started to heal blind people, you would think these would be the guys that would say, hey, this is it. Fellas, I've been looking for this guy my whole life. I've been studying this. My granddad told me about this because he was a scholar. My dad was a scholar. He told me about it. I've been studying this my whole life, and now here he is in my presence. We have finally seen the Messiah. But is that what they did? No. In fact, the exact opposite is what happened. Jesus, when he came, even though he was fulfilling the predictions, the Jewish scholars at the time, the religious leaders the church staff members and pastors of the time, they looked at him and they said, he's a fraud, don't follow him. And in fact, they began to plot to have him arrested and to plot to have him killed. How in the world did they miss it? Well, that brings us to what I want us to talk about today because I think the Jewish leaders of that time had the same problem we have today, and that's this. They were blinded by their expectations. They were blinded by their expectations. See, their idea of a Messiah, this is what they expected. They'd been hearing about a Messiah forever. And what they expected was is that a Messiah was going to come set them free from the people who were oppressing them at the time. Because you need to understand, you need to go back to the Old Testament again and understand a little bit of of Israel history. The, The history of Israel is this. God established them as a nation And then they would follow him for a while, and then they would rebel against him. And when they would rebel against him, oftentimes God would allow them to be punished. He would allow other nations to come in and to oppress them. And so you had a time where where they spent time in Egypt as slaves. You had a time where Assyria had them under oppression. You had a time where Babylonia had them under oppression. And then in the time when Jesus came, once again, the nation of Israel was under oppression from the Roman government. And so these Jewish scholars, when they were talking about the Messiah is going to come and they said he's the anointed one, he's going to set us free, they were expecting that that the Messiah was going to show up and he was going to come in as a king and he was going to overthrow the Roman government. He was going to put an army together and they were going to go to battle and they were going to overthrow Caesar and he was going to take the religious leaders and he was going to say, you guys have been oppressed, you guys have been put down, now you're going to be the rulers. And so the the Israelites and and the Jewish leaders, they thought, man, when Messiah comes, This is going to be the deal. We're going to get to rule. We're no longer going to be oppressed. And for them, it was all about power and politics and and that, that type of freedom, being physically free. See, their circumstances that they were in at that time, it was clouding their interpretation of what the Scripture said. The Scripture said, Jesus is coming and the Messiah is coming, you need to be ready for him. But he, it never said he's going to, to be a king, a political king. But they, the circumstances they were in, that's what they were looking for. And so when Jesus showed up, they got something totally different. See, remember, they thought that, that Jesus was going to come in and be a king and was going to rule. And, but Jesus said this in Matthew twenty twenty eight. He said, the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. They thought he was going to be a ruler, and Jesus came as a servant. 
And so they were blinded by their expectations. They thought that <clears throat> Jesus was going to come in, the Messiah was going to show up, and he was going to punish the Roman, the Roman Empire for, for oppressing them. But Jesus showed up in John 3.17 and said this, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. And so they were hoping that, that the Messiah was going to come and punish people. And Jesus said, no, I came to save people. And then they thought that Jesus was going to come and he was going to lift up the religious people. He was going to show up and say, hey, all you scholars, you've been obeying me all these years. Y'all are going to be my army. Y'all are going to be my ruling council. Let's do this thing together. But Jesus showed up in Luke 19.10 and said this, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. They thought he was going to lift up the religious. And Jesus said, no, I came for the non-religious. I came for those that don't know me. I came for those that are cast out of the temple. I came for those that, that you look down on. I came for the lost people. So you had this group of people that should have seen the Messiah come. And they were so sure of what the Messiah would be that when he showed up and he was different than they expected, they missed out on it. And see, I think... What happens to us today is we have, if you're a follower of Jesus, we all have certain expectations of what Jesus should be and what Jesus should do in our lives. And whether we want to admit to it or not, I think a lot of times our expectations for Jesus is that we expect that if we if we make good choices, then there will always be good outcomes. And sometimes I think that we believe that, that if, if, we, if we go to church a lot, then Jesus should do certain things for us. And I believe sometimes that that expectation blinds us to what Jesus really wants to do in our lives. See, what the Jewish leaders missed, what they did that was wrong, is, is they, they had a box that they wanted to put the Messiah in. They wanted to put the Messiah in this box. They could carry this box around, and their box for the Messiah was he is going to set us free, he's going to overthrow the Roman government, and that was their box. And when Jesus came and was outside of that box, they couldn't see it. And I want to tell you something today, and if you don't remember anything else, you can write this down. I want you to remember this. Jesus will not fit into your box. Jesus will not fit into your box. See, I think our box today for Jesus <clears throat> is we have a box that we believe that Jesus is going to bring us happiness, success, and money. That's the American Jesus box that we've created. We believe, okay, if I'm, Cliff, I go to church, I hear you talk, you say to read the Bible. I've been trying to read the Bible. I've been trying to even follow and do what the Bible says. I've even been given some money and stuff like that. I, I found a place to serve. And, okay, and I believe all that stuff, if I do all that stuff, then I should be able to be happy, successful, and have enough money to, to buy whatever it is that I want to get. And we've created this box that Jesus will make us happy, he will make us successful, and he will give us what we want financially. But if you read the, the Scripture, if you read the Old Testament, you read the New Testament, you see that, that the Jesus revealed in Scripture is very different than that. In fact, that, that Jesus is more concerned with your holiness than he is with your happiness. Jesus is more concerned with your holiness than your happiness. I hate to break the news to you today. He didn't die on a cross so that you could be happy all the time, and that I could be happy all the time. In fact, sometimes he will use difficulty in our lives 
to make us into the men and women he wants us to be. And those times are unhappy times. But if we come out on the other side of it more like him and more holy, then that's what he's excited about. He's more concerned with your holiness than your happiness. Jesus is more concerned with your faithfulness than with your financial prosperity. Did you know that not everybody can be rich? But did you know that most all of us want to be rich? I know that y'all don't, but only I do. I really want to be rich, but I can't. And I know y'all never feel like that. But uh, Jesus is more concerned with our faithfulness than our financial prosperity. Now, there's some of you that he will allow you to be rich. But even then, when that happens, he's going to be concerned with how faithful you're being with the stuff he's given you. He's more concerned with our faithfulness and our financial prosperity. And Jesus may take you, this, now this is a tough one. You might not even want to write this down if you're taking notes. You might want to just forget I ever said this, okay, and just say Cliff is off his rocker. He didn't know what he was talking about. But I'm going to just tell you, Jesus may take you through a time of suffering instead of giving you success. He may take you through a time of suffering instead of giving you success. Anybody ever known a uh, business that started up by a Christian person that loved Jesus and it failed? It went bankrupt? Anybody ever known a church that started by a group of people that loved Jesus, prayed about it, knew beyond a shadow of doubt that God wanted that church to start and that church is no longer meeting today? Anybody ever known that before? Anybody ever known someone who you know they they got this job, you know God provided that job for them and they went there and and six months later they got laid off because they were cutbacks? Anybody know anybody that that's happened to? You ever known someone who followed Jesus with their whole heart? They, they They tried to eat healthy, they ran every day and they still got cancer and died before the age of 50 and they were a follower of Jesus, they loved him with all their heart. Has anybody ever known somebody that's gone through that? We all have. And so would we say, well, it was sin in their life that caused that, or or the reason that happened is because they weren't following him close enough. No, the deal is, is that sometimes we go through times of suffering, and we don't always get to have the success that we think we deserve. And we've created this box. We've created this Jesus box where we think, if I follow Jesus, I will have happiness, I will have money, and I will have success. And that is not always the case. Jesus will not fit into that box. Do you know what Jesus said in Luke 9, 23? Jesus said, if anybody would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Cross-carrying, if you're cross-carrying every day, not all those days are going to be happy. If you're cross-carrying every day, you're not always going to experience the success that we think we should experience. If you're cross-carrying every day, there are going to be times when you look and you you realize you don't have as much money as you would like to have because Jesus will not fit into that box. See, the Jews, they couldn't see that Jesus was the Messiah because he didn't fit into their box. He wasn't what they expected. And so I want you to pay real close attention to this. I want you to think about your relationship with Jesus. And are you missing out on something 
that Jesus wants to do in your life because it's not what you expected. That you thought by this time in your life, things would be a certain way. And they're just not. And are you spending that time being angry at God, being disappointed in God, or spending that time saying, God, this is not where I thought I was going to be at this point, but I know that you've got something for me and I don't want to miss out on what that is. And listen, I'm telling you that not as a guy who's standing up here and never experienced that, but I'm telling you that as someone who's living it out. If you'd have asked me 20 years ago, Cliff, what's your life going to be like at age 45? It would have been different than this. Not that this is bad, but this wasn't what I expected. And where I am today, I know that Jesus is doing stuff in my life. He hasn't forgotten about me. He's at work. He's at work making me into the man he wants me to be. He's working in me to make me holy rather than happy. He's working at me, making me faithful rather than financially prosperous. He's working in me to to teach me through times of suffering rather than feeling like everything has to be a success. And he wants to do the same thing in your life. See, I want to I read to you. I've got it on my phone here because I didn't, I didn't print it all the way out. It's long. We're going to go to Isaiah 53. I want to read to you what the Messiah is like. This is what the Jews should have been looking for. But instead, they were looking for a king. They were looking for a general who would put together an army. And instead, this was the Jesus that they got. Again, Isaiah, hundreds of years before Jesus showed up, and he said this. Who has believed what he has heard from us, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant, and like a root out of dry ground, he had no former majesty that we should look at him, and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. All we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, and like a sheep that before its shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away, and for his generation who considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living, stricken for the transgression of my people. And they made his grave with the wicked and with the rich man in his death, although he had done no violence, and there was no deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him, He has put him to grief. When his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Out of the anguish of his soul, he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous, and he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will divide him a portion with the many, 
and he shall divide the spoil with the strong because he poured out his soul to death and was numbered with the transgressors. Yet he bore the sin of many and makes intercession for the transgressors. When the Messiah came, he didn't come to be a king. He came to be a servant and he gave up his life on a cross and he did that because I'm a sinner and because you're a sinner. And we, we read that it says there that the punishment that brought us peace was on him. That him having nails driven through his hands and his feet, him having a spear stuck in his side, and him dying a death just like we're all going to die one day, that, because of that, I can be forgiven of sin. You can be forgiven of sin. Because of that, we can live forever one day in heaven. And that is the Messiah. And then the greatest thing about the Messiah is once he died, he didn't stay dead. That he came back to life. And one day he's coming back to get us. So when you think about Christmas this year, when you look at a tree and when you open presents and and we do all those things we do, I want you to have in your mind that it's because of a baby that was born that became a man who willingly died on a cross that we can worship together today, that we can be forgiven of the stuff we do wrong. Because just like Isaiah said, all of us have gone astray. There's not a one of us in here who's perfect. And so if you're here today and, and, and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, I want you to know there's nothing you've done that's too bad to keep you from being able to come to him. Your sin is no different than my sin. And if you're here today and you already are a follower of Jesus, none of us are so good that we don't daily need his help. Our band is going to lead us in a closing song. I want you to go ahead and stand up where you are. This area down front is going to be open for you to come and make a decision. I'll be standing over here if you need to talk to me. Ben Patat is going to be standing over here near me, who was just up here on stage a while ago, if you need to come talk to him. But deal with Jesus today before you leave. Understand that Jesus wants to do something in your life. And don't let your preconceived ideas of who he is or your preconceived expectations of what he wants to do keep you from missing it. Let me pray for us. Father God, thank you for the words of Isaiah and Micah and all these men that lived hundreds and hundreds of years ago and that they were pointing the way that your son Jesus would be born and that he would die for us. I pray this morning that as, as you deal with people's hearts, that you would do a work that, that I can't do, that you would change lives. We would give you the glory for it. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.